about that third day, second and third day in Joplin, Missouri, I had a little old lady come up and thank me for a, a meal, hug me crying because she hadn't had anything good. She was going through something, you know, that none of us, at least I haven't been through and that in losing her home, her car was totaled, but she was still driving it. You know, glass was cracked, but I just remember her thanking me for something as simple as a pulled pork sandwich. Realizing that, you know, what we're doing there is providing just a little bit of normalcy. We're providing, you know, barbecue is about family, barbecue is about fun. It's about remembering good times. You know, realized at that point that we were, we were, we were giving her and helping her with that memory of good times so she could, you know, get away from the hurt just a little bit. From the nonprofit organization Orphan Aid Liberia, this is the Love Period Podcast, a show about the stories of leaders, creators, groundbreakers, and pioneers currently leading movements or organizations who have a focus on serving other people who at some point they had to lift up their anchor, step out in faith, step out into the unknown to get where they are today. I'm your host, Jacob Burson, and on this episode of the Love Period Podcast, we're going to talk to Stan Hayes, one of the co-founders of Operation Barbecue Relief, where they have a mission that strives to provide compassion and offer hope and friendship to those lives who have been affected by disasters across the United States. In May of 2011, Stan and his buddies in the barbecue competition world had seen the massive damage from the tornado-stricken area in Joplin, Missouri, a community of about 50,000 residents. They got together on a phone call and decided, how can we help? What can we do? So they did something simple. They started cooking barbecue to help people, to help the first responders, to help the people who were in hurting positions or hurting spots. Just an amazing step of faith towards something that was so simple to them, but so huge to the people that they supported. Operation Barbecue Relief continues today to respond to these same kinds of natural disasters and other situations to help feed displaced residents and emergency personnel. It didn't take long for Stan and his buddies to realize that there was a gap, that they had a purpose, and that there was a gap that they could fill in emergency situations just like that. One little step of action at a time, they began to serve their community. In 2018 alone, they provided 1.2 million meals served to people in disaster situations. Stan's story at Operation Barbecue Relief is unbelievable. You guys are going to hear a great, great story today about a guy who just did something simple. Him and his buddies, barbecue competition guys, just stepped up. They filled the gap with the skills that they were given to do something absolutely amazing. So join me today in this conversation with Stan Hayes of Operation Barbecue Relief. Hey, what's up, everybody? Jacob Burson, Love Period Podcast. And I've got Stan Hayes of Operation Barbecue Relief Online. Stan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Uh, We're awesome here in Georgia. Somehow today, particularly the rain has passed, but we had a gully washer, which is a word I haven't used in a long time, past couple of days here. (laughs) Yeah, I was watching that. I saw you guys were getting a little rain down there. Yeah, but you guys, uh, and we're going to get into that, you guys are all about going to those areas, so I'm I'm sure um, you guys are getting ready for well, you guys are always in motion for something there, Operation Barbecue Relief. We'll get into that, too, here in a few minutes. Yes, sir. All right. So part of our podcast, we kind of get – we do some stretching of the brain to get things going, sure. so kind of some calisthenics to get the to get the mind firing right. So got some rapid-fire questions. You think you're ready? Sure. 
All right, here we go. Stan, what was the first car you ever owned? My first car was a 1983 Camaro with uh, T-tops and uh, a bad paint job. That, the the vision, I don't think a T-top Camaro is, it can't have anything other than a bad paint job. (laughs) I think it's a requirement. It's nice, man, T-tops. But the T-tops outweighed the bad paint job, so it made it cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, what was the worst job you ever had? The worst job I ever had. Um, Probably like 14 years old, working for a farmer, pulling weeds out of a soybean field. That sounds terrible. That's (laughs) You you got it. That sounds as bad as roofing in July. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, it was pulling weeds in July. (laughs) Yeah, that's the worst. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. All right. If you had a superpower, what superpower would it be? To be invisible. Hmm. Man, that that's something we could dive in deep right there. <laughs> we could go we could go a different direction with the podcast, be invisible. Yeah. Mm. It, it's I don't even know where that came from, but that's I would right. say that, you know, that ability to go places and see things without anybody seeing you Whew. and you know, would be uh, I think pretty powerful. Man, I don't know if I want to do that, Stan. <laughs> Man, that's tough. Yeah, that's a good one, though, because then you're right. You could find out a whole – you could be Siri. You're basically your phone <laughs> watching every move. All right, good one. Okay, if you could spend an afternoon with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? Um, probably my <clears throat> my grandpa. Yeah. Yep. My, uh, my, um, mom's, my mom's dad, you know, passed away. Oh, she's, I was, I don't know, maybe in, maybe in college, right out of college. Nah, right out of college. And, uh, so never got to, you know, I spent a lot of time as a kid growing up, you know, but never as an adult really getting an opportunity to, to, uh, talk with him. And, uh, he was, you know, from what I remember, um, just, you know, one of the, uh, the salt of the earth type mm. people, you know, who, uh, uh, yeah, I just would like to go back and be able to spend more time. with. Yeah. Him. You know, that's, that's been a very common, a lot of folks have said, said that same thing. It's been a granddad. A lot of folks have said a granddad they would like to spend that time with. I'm right there with you. I had a, World War II de- de- depression generation granddad that I spent a lot of time with my teenage years working around the barn and shop. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Okay. So I have two, can these are, this is, this question is kind of a double question. If you could call oh, yourself boy. in the year 2000, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that you got to find your passion. You know, I found mine. It just took a lot longer to to yeah. find it. Uh, so I tell myself that you got to find what you're passionate about. You know, it's not all about money or you know a, the uh, corporate ladder. Right. That uh, you got to find something that you you know has meaning yeah. to you. Wow, good stuff. Okay, if you could call yourself in the year 2040, what would you want to ask 
yourself. Um, oh boy, that is, uh, probably, you know, um, I'd probably ask how we did, yeah. did we make, did we make a yep. difference? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. It's tough to think about just because you know how much has changed since the year 2000 yep. to try to visualize what could change by the year 2040. That's a hard one. All right. So here's where we make the transition stand. <clears throat> All right. So if you could, it could be one story, it could be a couple of stories. Tell us a story about a moment or moments where you had decided that you were going to, that there was something bigger out there for you in the world and that you were going to pursue something else. Boy, you know, I, I, I've never had the question asked this that way, but you know, um, I get often asked how, how, you know, how this happened, how, how did Operation Barbecue Relief start? And, and really, um, the genesis, which is going to answer this question is, is that, you know, the Joplin tornado was probably the second tornado that you could watch actually happening on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, you could sit there and see helicopters following the devastation path, showing the tornado in the distance. Um, Tuscaloosa was probably the first. And I just remember sitting there watching that feeling helpless and with my family and, uh, the next morning as I was getting ready for work, my wife, you know, you know, set up and said, Hey, you, you should go. And, uh, you know, like a knucklehead, I just said, yeah, I'm late for work. I need to get going. I got this meeting this morning. She's like, no, 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 no. You need to get your barbecue competition friends together and you should go to Joplin and you should, you know, feed them, do what you can and feed them. And, uh, you know, I listened to her for a second and shook my head and, and ran out the door because I was trying to get to a meeting. Um, but before I made it down, you know, a couple miles down the, the road, you know, I, I, I was like, you know what, she's right. You know, who better to go set up and feed people and help people than a bunch of barbecue guys that do it any given weekend, you know, to compete against each other, but let's do it for good instead of competing against each other. So, you know, I made a phone call to um, guy that I was competing with, um, learning the ropes on the competition barbecue side for several years and said, hey, what do you think? And he was having the same kind of thoughts, but didn't know how to do it. And in a 10 minute, 15 minute phone call, we hatched a plan to go to Joplin, Missouri to help people um, by feeding, you know, hot barbecue meal to them. And, you know, that's how it wow. started. I mean, it was you know, getting our friends together and saying, Hey, let's go do wow. this. You know, what's interesting is, is I'm curious about your wife's thinking at the time. Like, have you ever, have you guys ever talked about that? Like what was, what would have driven her, <clears throat> what would have driven her to make that comment to you, to kind of give you that suggestion to kind of be, I mean, almost like, man, almost like a, a prophet. To, to, to kind of yeah. plant that seed in you. Do you, have you ever, you guys ever talked about that? We've talked a little bit about it. It's, it's funny because her recollection of exactly how that happened and what, you know, and my recollection of it, you know, hers is a longer version. I don't remember it being much more than a 30, 30 to 40 second, you know, thing right. um, at that point. But it, it was really the fact that, 
we had talked the night before about, you know, feeling somewhat helpless, you know, uh, for two tornadoes in a row that, you know, before then, I just don't ever remember before the Tuscaloosa tornado that they ever showed it on TV, showed that mass devastation, showed the track, why it was actually right. happening. And so I think it was the emotion and everything together. But I, I do think it's the, you know, um, from her, it was the spiritual side of, you know, hey, you know what, there's, there's something that can be done here. And her idea was, hey, why don't you get your barbecue friends together and see if you can make a wow. difference? Well, that's ama- it's amazing how, and, and, and I would imagine that the time you guys hatched this 15 minute plan that you guys aren't even considering what today is in 2019 for Operation Barbecue Relief. No, in fact, you know, we, we coined the name, um, actually Jeff Stith, one of the three co-founders, um, just not active today, but you know, um, back then, um, when we started the organization, you know, he came up with uh, the name Operation Barbecue Relief for Joplin, and that that morning created a Facebook page and put it out there and started sharing it to our friends in the competition barbecue world, the judges, and the, just our friends in general. And that's how it, you know, the whole thing started was the use of social media to get as many people in, in, that, in that world, that barbecue family, as I call it together to go do that. Well, that's one of the things, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we kind of struggle with social media with all the negativity that exists there. And you could use that platform for those things. But time and time again, we found the same type of responses with our organization at Orphan Aid Liberia that when, when used the right way, man, it, it, it creates opportunity to actually serve communities in ways that really never existed before just by being able to simply connect people to a common cause. Yeah. You know, and it, and it's changed so much from back then. I mean, the algorithms and all that, that Facebook uses and, and everything has changed. There really wasn't Instagram, Twitter. We didn't know how to use really um, for that. And still don't know that we we know how to right. use it, use them. But you know we we're uh, you know working you know on that. But back then you know your your friends got to actually see what you posted if you if they liked yeah. the page. Um, and so it made it right. easier. Right. Yeah. So you guys start out with just a a fifteen minute a fifteen I mean a fifteen minute phone call that hatched this plan, and then you guys just it's as simple as just taking action. Yes. I mean, you know, Jeff and I divided, if you will, I, I was going to find the location and the setup, uh, you know, at that time, um, I was working in the corporate corporate side of insurance for farmers insurance. And, and, uh, um, yeah, I knew a lot of people on our catastrophe team. So I said, Hey, I'm going to get a hold of them. I'm going to do this, find a location. Let's see, you know, why don't you, you know, put out the Facebook post, get people to come and let's, Let's contact, you know, the contact we knew of um, with uh, Sam's Club and see if Sam's Club won't donate some meat. Mm. That's it. I mean, we didn't we didn't think about, OK, how you're going to sustain this, where you're going to find everything, how you're going to get. I mean, we just started putting out the cry, if you will. Hey, anybody know where we can get bread? Is there anybody donating bread? Hey, anybody know where we can get aluminum foil? Who, you know, 
and all these different things. And it was, you know, all, all of a sudden one day, you know, we're sitting there, we're, we're fighting for try to find this stuff and, and a bread truck would show up in the parking lot saying, Hey, you know, you know, we can't even finish our route. No, you know, there's no restaurants open because of the, the, the devastation, but we wanted to see if we could help. And we heard you guys were down here serving. Could you guys use some bread? We're like, holy right. cow. Wow. And, you know, and then you have friends of friends of friends saying, Hey, you know, these guys need, you know, aluminum foil. I remember that was a big cry one day and we just had people showing up with rolls of aluminum foil. I mean, you know, small rolls, you know, big rolls. I mean, um, whatever they had or could find, they were bringing. Um, and, and the generosity of the community and um, those that wanted to help, you know, to this day is still a huge part of who the organization is. Well, do you, do you guys you have an idea of how many in that initial push for that, for the Joplin efforts, how many meals were served? Yeah, we, we were able to go back and, and, and extrapolate based on the, the pounds of meat and everything that had been donated that we, that we had recorded coming in, that it was around 120,000 meals over 11 Unbelievable. days. Um, yeah, especially when you think about it, when we hatched the plan, it was probably, you know, three or four days of cooking in Joplin, maybe, maybe four or 5,000 meals over those, those days. And, and we would feel good that we were able to help a community and, and bring the barbecue family together to do so. Um, I mean, it was about the third day, I believe it was of cooking, uh, you know, cause we, we did the 5,000 the first day, uh, our first full day of cooking. Um, that we realized, you know, by day three, there's a huge gap that exists. And that gap is something that's not being filled, you know, or not being filled enough um, out there. And, and, you know, we're not a sustainable organization that's going to be there for weeks, months, years after a disaster, but we can come and help fill that gap for two, three weeks, maybe a month, like we did this last year in Florida. But, you know, the, you know, it gives the community time to get their feet underneath them because that's, who's really going to drive the, you know, the healing is when that community comes together and those churches, civic groups, local businesses can then embrace the community and say, Hey, you know, we're going to take this. Yeah. now." Yeah. That's what one, when, when you were saying that I took a, I took a note, a little star put beside a, a huge gap existing because that is a, it's been a very consistent theme with everyone that we've talked to about identifying a gap, about seeing that there's a gap that exists. And and it's not just that recognizing that the gap exists, it's taking action on the gap. <clears throat> but also what you but also what you guys did. And so you had a background in insurance. So you you used kind of a a a foundation that made sense for your talents. Insurance kind of insurance background. And also, you know how to cook. So you use those two things and identified a gap and filled a gap with almost, could we say, natural talents? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and that was that's huge. I mean, that's because sometimes we try to, the, the example that pops in my mind is sometimes when we're looking to do, we feel like we're called to something greater between heaven and earth, maybe Maybe it's an add to what we're currently doing in life, but then we put on, we put on Saul's armor. We try to do something that doesn't fit us and we become frustrated. It sounds like you guys 
you guys found exactly what was in your niche and just capitalized on and took action. We, we have, and, you know, and, and now we're getting to that point of even going further, you know, because, um, you know, we just look at the last couple of years and the number of meals we've done. I mean, you know, last year was 1.2 million meals mm. um, served and, and a million, 1.1 of those over 1.1 of those was served um, in 60 days, less than 60 days between um, hurricane Florence and hurricane Mike. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and so, you know, you look at how we've been able to scale over the years and build to the point of having two locations in Florida in the panhandle to have, you know, to set up redundant sites, which was really, you know, I mean, sort of mind blowing because we'd never done it before, you know, besides on small little deployments, let alone doing it on something where, you know, for four days in a row combined between two locations, we did over 55,000 meals. A day. Oh my gosh. You know, we're, we're talking about a mass production facility this is the kind of you know that's the kind of food that they put out at yeah, right. parks and, and um and uh, we're doing that you know out of a parking lot but one of the things that we recognized a couple years ago is that you know that's only 60 70 days out of the year that we're deployed yeah. for these disasters maybe you know and that's going to grow as disasters and our capabilities to handle you know, smaller things in, in communities that truthfully are just as bad as the big disasters. They just don't get the publicity or anything because it's such a small community, but those communities hurt just as bad as the big right. ones, right? Um, but it, it really comes down to our volunteers and keeping them engaged throughout the year. We had to come up with something, and, and our idea was to do what we called a day of giving. And a day of giving is not just a single day, but it's a day in a community where our volunteers could find an opportunity to help do something good, to help the community. Um, and as we started doing this, we started watching what we were doing and what people were bringing to us. And uh, they, they really fell into three buckets, if you will. Um, the first bucket was, is what I would call our military veteran side where we were doing things either with veteran groups or active military, um, you know, where we had guys that would go out um, and, and do barbecues for the uh, guard unit that's getting, that was just called up and getting ready to yeah. deploy for 14 weeks, 14 months or something like that. So them and their family could have a, a good family get together before they, they left or, you know, or after they've done that and they've come back to the country and be able to have that homecoming, right? Wow. Um, you know, we, we did things with Veterans Group. In fact, we've actually been at Veterans Community Project. You mentioned them earlier. We've, we've done something, you know, a couple of things with them, provided some barbecue for, for them um, at events. Uh, we, uh, um, you know, we've also done things for first responders um, where we've gone out and, and uh, whether it's fire or, you know, police or, um, you know, another first responder group. And then the last one, which is probably the biggest one has been what I'll call the fight on hunger, whether it's teaming up with, you know, um, back in 2012, after we had just started, we did, uh, we found out that a family that has always done, um, not always done, but for like 10 years had done 
Christmas dinner at the um, City Union Mission here in Kansas City, which is one of the largest missions in the four state area, um, had a death in the family and they had to cancel. And, you know, I said, wow, you know, who better than a bunch of guys like us to maybe do something like that. So I finally got a hold of the right person there and told them what we wanted to do. And we were able to get turkeys donated and get, you know, pork butts donated. And we did a lunch and a dinner on Christmas Day for those folks, you know, and uh, um, that's, to my knowledge, that's probably the first one that we did before we ever had the day of giving, but that's what the idea was. And it, it, it brought volunteers out, it, it engaged them, and it gave them the opportunity, some that can't travel for disasters and things like that, gave them the opportunity to be involved. Yeah. Um, so after the CNN Heroes stuff in 2017, we, we started looking at, you know, um, and went through a leadership program put on by Annenberg Foundation, where we realized that these things that we were doing that we were calling Days of Giving were actually programs you know, we're not, we weren't, we're not nonprofit guys. You know, we're, we have a nonprofit. We're, we're starting to right. learn. We're, and, and, and we realized that we, we needed to take credit for this. I mean, we might've talked about it some on social media, but we really didn't give ourselves credit. It was more about, you know, engaging right. and, and bringing volunteers together and doing something good for communities. Um, so we just started building on that um, from, from what we had learned. Um, and, and so at the end of the year last year, we actually hired a retired uh, um, Green Beret uh, who uh, combat wounded. Um, and uh, um, he's, you know, ha- has a lower leg amputation and, and uh, but fought to stay in for years after that. And his whole idea was he wanted to find, find a way as he was getting out to impact right. communities, do something with you know, within the country, um, and, you know, you know, leave a mark, if you will, um, for himself. And as we continue to talk, we found that there was a great fit, um, for bringing him in to take on all those programs, what we call the non-disaster yes. programs. So we have the disaster side now, and we have the non-disaster side. Um, and, uh, we're nesting all of those non-disaster programs, the, the, the military, the first responder, and and the fight on hunger underneath what we're going to call the Always Serving Project. Okay. And and that's really under the guise that before we ever even started this organization, you know, we always saw ourselves and others that were always serving their yeah. communities, whether it was church, you know, doing a barbecue for their church or their their kid's school or a fundraiser or something like that. And, you know, thinking about, you know, the military fo- the first responders that are, that are out there, that even when they're not on the job, they're always right. serving. There's a community, they're finding ways to help. And so we, we thought it was a great, a great name. Yeah. Um, and so with us kicking that off this year, um, formally and everything, we will, we're actually going to do a kickoff in April, the end of April, where uh, Jay Collins is the gentleman, the, the Green Beret that we hired that just, uh, you know, retired from after almost 24 years. Um, in okay. he is he is going to uh, um, run bike and hand cycle from los angeles to Tampa holy Bay. smokes so he's going to do that in coordination with the 2019 dod warrior right. games is the uh, para um, olympic style games for the military 
for those that have been wounded. Um, and uh, um, he is actually an athlete for them. And so he's actually going to compete after he does the almost 3,000 miles across the country and carries the torch in for the beginning of, you know, the Warrior Games. He's actually then going to also compete in the Warrior Games. <laughs> so, um, but again, this is to gain awareness of the, these programs to really jumpstart and bring that out there that we want to be in these communities and do things for good in these communities before we ever have to go there. That's for right. Yep. So when we go there and, you know, we we're coming there because there is a disaster, our name's already somewhat <clears> known. <throat> we have maybe a track record there, but even more importantly, you know, we, we've started a relationship with people in those areas. So if it, if it happens, yeah. we have those people to rely on and count on. Yeah. This is, I want to, Kind of want to go back because with all this stuff, everything you've been, I mean, I've been I, so much head nodding while I'm sitting here taking notes of what you're saying. I'm like, man, preach it because I'm curious as to how you guys were so tuned in to know how important it is to pe- keep people engaged that you, that you guys, like what did what, you guys keep keeping your volunteers engaged throughout the year? How did, how did you recognize that that is important? Now, I, I think it was the fact that we were, you know, um, two and a half years ago, we were, we were seeing a, a much different cycle in, in disasters, if you look at it. We, you know, if, you know, I'm going to knock on wood all over the sure. office and everything. There hasn't been a, a, a major outbreak of right. tornadoes. Um, you know, 2013 is probably the last one with the Moore, Oklahoma tornado uh, that hit a major metropolitan area. There's been outbreaks, but they haven't hit, you know, and 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 done right. the damage. So, but it changed because we had a lot more. Um, I mean, if you think back in 2016, you had Hammond, Louisiana, which was not a, which was just a tropical, you know, um, storm system that sat there and, you know, dumped. I mean, in one area of central Louisiana, um, just north of of New Orleans dumped like 30 inches of rain in a 24 to 36 hour time yeah, period. Man. I mean, air, areas in a hundred foot, a hundred year foot floodplain had never, never, never received that kind of, or had that right. kind of flooding. So we, we, we kept looking at, Hey, outside of this, I mean, you know, we've got to figure out a way. And it was, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to take credit for it. I don't know that it was me that said, Hey, we got to do sure. something here. I think it was sort of a group, a group thing that as we started talking, we were like, Hey, we got to figure out what are we going to do to keep people from just walking right. away and going to another nonprofit, sure. um, another service organization. Right, right. So we, we can be prepared, you know, when a disaster strikes. Well, and that's the, that, that is the, so what you guys, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant because there is always, there is always a mission. There's always need, and I would imagine it's you're you're probably not difficult to find volunteers when something is very publicized in terms of a a disaster or a need, and it's probably a little more difficult I I would imagine to try to keep volunteers engaged for smaller things unless 
you're doing what you guys are doing and actually being intentional about creating these days of giving and, and challenging volunteers to take ownership in the organization and then go out and, and find new needs and be able to kind of execute those on their own. Man, that is brilliant stuff. That was awesome. Again, we, we did it to, to, you know, I'll call, I'll call it this way and it sounds bad. I'll say it was out of selfishness because I didn't want to lose people, good people, um, because if something did happen, I wanted to be able to be out there. I wanted to be able to get in front of it. Hey, yeah, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with when, especially when it's your passion, people have to understand that there's nothing wrong with a sense of ownership and having, um, I call it the burden, the burden on our shoulders to execute what we feel like we're called to do. It means that we're going to, we're going to approach it with some intentionality and actually come up with strategy and, and be, uh, serve on purpose, not just, um, sometimes, sometimes the service field can be, um, I don't know if soft is the right word, but sometimes it can be not as engaged as it could be. And then you have organizations like you guys who come along and are very intentional, are mission-minded, very focused, and execute well. And then you wind up with what Operation Barbecue Relief is, an organization that gets the job done. That's, you know, it's funny that you say that, because that's sort of on the backside of what we, you know, what we tell people you know, our volunteers and the group is, Hey, you know, we're here to get the job done. We're here to, to impact the community and get it yep. done. And, 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 you know, hopefully as we're leaving, that community is the one that's going to start taking right. ownership of, you know, yeah. healing. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back a little bit. Just uh, let's go back to maybe when you were growing up, was there somebody that this heart of service that you have, is there somebody that you grew up with an adult, a parent, grandparent, somebody who may have, modeled that for you that you may not have recognized at the time what they were doing, but somebody that was, that kind of had that same heart of service. You know, I, I've been asked this question, you know, before of where it comes from. And, and so, you know, I'll I'll give you the answer that I, the only, the only thing I know, which is, you know, probably starts with, uh, um, my, my mom's mom, my grandma feeling, um, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. She, but she did so much in her church. And I watched, you know, growing up, what she did, at, you know, in the church to help people. Um, and and you know, I would say that that was the start of it. But I, I would tell you that I think it really grew out of uh, the community I grew up in. I grew up in a small town in central Kansas yeah. um, called Lindsburg, Kansas, a little Swedish town. And uh, that community. Um, even today seems to thrive when so many small communities like it are dying away. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that service, uh, you know, there's a small Lutheran college there where I went to college and, and, you know, um, that is a big part of my life too. And I think a lot of that was driven by that, that college, um, and, uh, how, you know, that college was, uh, you know, and still is a cornerstone of keeping that uh, vibrance for that, that town um, going, but it, you know, in a small, um, you know, liberal arts college like that, that is a big part of it is that, you know, 
that community that um, you know that give back that they're they're trying to do um, and and so I think that um, again I, I think that's where it's come from over over the years um, and is is that connection you know first seeing it as a young kid with my grandma and starting to recognize it um, not recognizing it you know um, directly but indirectly of uh, the kindness uh, and and her yeah. servant's heart that she had and to seeing you know so many in the community and so many at the college growing up um, my dad was a professor there for you know not quite 30 years and so that that college was a big part of you know me growing up from basically yeah. about first grade till I graduated from college. Wow. Yeah, that's um, it's it's uh, it's it. Did you when you're in the kind of in the moment when you're watching your grandmother do those those that service and you're in the community doing that, you don't really realize what your sponge, your soul is absorbing at the time. Uh, almost sometimes we can even be annoyed when our grandparents came and picked us up and made us ride all over town, uh, uh, doing things. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where kind of, <laughs> you're sitting there talking and I'm thinking about stuff that I used to have to do with my grandparents of like stuff I hated, but I look back on, I'm like, that had to have poured into what, you know, God, I believe God was working on in my heart of what he had planned for me later. Yeah. I, you know, I, again, I, I, uh, this question has been asked and that's to, to my, you know, my knowledge. Yeah. That's where, you know, that's what I remember. I, I, I know uh, one of my best friends was asked the question in an article, you know, and, and he said, you know, his, his answer was, I, I never knew a time that, you know, I wouldn't go yeah. help somebody if they needed it. I don't, I don't, I guess right. I don't remember it that way. I don't remember, you know, growing up that, you know, somebody needed something, you know, um, help painting their house or, you know, mucking out the house, or you know, doing something on the farm or whatever that, I wasn't, you know, right. that I said, no, um, I don't remember. I don't remember those things, but I obviously you. he does. And so I think, you know, sometimes, uh, um, well, not sometimes it, it's very obvious that, um, there, many times, uh, people have that different yeah. memory than you do. So, so building up to the days before operation barbecue relief, before that, before that phone call to when Joplin uh, when the tornado came through, did you feel whatever? What, so you were in the insurance business before? So I, I, yeah, right out of college, I started in, in, you know, as a claims adjuster in the insurance world. And then, you know, I grew, you know, and uh, through that, all with farmers insurance for almost 24 years until I left, you know, this last year to start this full time. Well, and that's kind of, that, that's one of those things that, um, that's one of those things a lot of us kind of forget and don't, or not really forget. One, a lot of, one of those things a lot of people don't realize is they see organizations uh, that look kind of, I say lack of a better word, visual, um, that they would just assume that the people operating those organizations are doing that full time. Well, doing that as their only gig. And the reality is, is you've been doing this since 2011 as, a, as another career while you have your job in insurance and you just stepped away last year. So I can't do my math. Was that six years? So you're just, you're just fresh into doing this full time now. 
Yeah, it's actually, yeah, this will be our, eight, May will be our eighth year. So it's just almost seven, just not quite seven and a half years. I mean, just over seven years of the organization being ran part time. Right. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. That is, wow. That is, that is the guy, what you guys accomplished as a air quote. And I know I'm, I'm smart enough to know that part time doesn't mean 20 hours, <laughs> 20 hours a week. Part time just means you did something else in addition to that thing, you guys all working together. Um, so, so building up to those days before 2011, did you feel uh, throughout your career, did you feel a draw to something else or to something bigger? Or did this just kind of come um, that day, that phone call just kind of come you know, out of nowhere? I, I, I think, it, you know, um, for me, from, from my perspective, it sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, I, you know, I, I was the, you know, the guy that wanted to, you know, for lack of a better term, was corporate minded, driven, you know, in, in my, my job and what I was doing. Um, and, and, you know, my future, you know, at a company and, and things like that. And uh, so I really wasn't looking or, you know, thinking that I was going to, you know, do something greater outside of, outside of that world. I mean, I got into competition barbecue as, as a way to continue to compete, you know, for years of playing football, right. basketball, tennis, all at the competitive level. Um, you, you get into the corporate world and you have less time and, and uh, things like that. So you're looking for ways to be able to connect and the bar- barbecue community is a huge family. And, and, and yes, that family, you know, is, is the, you know, the cornerstone, the base of the organization. Um, and that started before we ever thought of this. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, it was about day three when I, we realized this gap that was existing that, you know, wasn't being taken care of. And I left that parking lot in, in Joplin, Missouri, you know, knowing that um, there was much something much bigger, you know, um, it, it, it was, it was a life changer for me, you know, Wow. It, yeah, there's, that's what's great about that story. I was, we asked that question and, and some folks will say that they could kind of feel something this angst their entire life. And then um, hearing you say that it was kind of almost like a out of nowhere type thing is great because I think those kind of stories exist too. But also would, I would also submit that your, your path along life was a real good tilling of the soil for a out of, kind of a, a blindside hit for you to be ready for it when that time came, because if you didn't have that competitive spirit to go into the competitive, competitive barbecue, then you guys wouldn't have been able to come up with an idea that would have fit to fill that particular gap. So your life, so your life was kind of stepping towards this thing. And then all of a sudden <laughs> out of nowhere, you get ear by God with, with going in this direction and here you guys are doing unbelievable work. Yeah. I, I mean, now today, can I, can I see that I, I, I feel like there was probably something missing all those years. Um, that that's definitely been, you know, filled with, you know, being out there and, and, you know, providing that hot meal that matters to somebody. Absolutely. But back, 
back then I didn't see it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's so common for, for so many of us to kind of not really recognize, you know, we have certain goals and aspirations and we, we think that when we get to that particular goal or we reach that pinnacle that we will be satisfied. And then we just keep, we just keep creating new pinnacles until all of a sudden we realize that, uh, Sometimes simplicity is where the legacy begins. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, all right. So now you guys, so now you're, now you're at it full time. Was there a, that decision, that moment when you're, when you're stepping away from, let's go the known. I mean, you kind of know, even though it's a, you're doing a dual job type thing, working with operation barbecue, operation, uh, barbecue relief, and then also, working in the insurance field, something that you've been doing since you got out of college. What was that, what was that, that decision, that thought process, what was going on then? How difficult was that? Well, I mean, it's not that difficult when it's become a passion to try to balance the two. Um, Obviously you have a day job um, and, and the day job is what's feeding your family you know, and, and taking care of everything. So, you know, that, that's number one, but you know, the passion became a one a, 1A. you know, it wasn't number two, it wasn't the top thing, but it was right there with it. And, and, you know, also having a very understanding family <laughs> when, when you are, you know, taking days of vacation to go travel, to meet with potential partners, sponsors, um, going to events to speak where you're having to take days off, uh, you know, um, and use vacation time to be able to do things to help the organization grow, which really didn't happen that much until the last few years. Right. Um, but those, those things, uh, um, you know, along the way, each one of those, and, and then um, to, you know, in my job, it came down to, I was the last person in, you know, in the company that was um, in the position that I was in working from home and not working from um, our home office in California. And so uh, I knew there was going to come a day that that was going to change. And that happened last, you know, last spring when they, they did a reorganization and told me, you know, that, that my position there was going to, you know, change and that they wanted to me, me to move to California. And that was, that became the jumping off point that said, okay, mm. you know what? It's time to now transition and see if, you know, we've been running an organization that at that point, uh, probably you know, after 2017 was probably a $6 million, you know, you know, uh, um, organization without a full-time person and uh, we were trying to figure out how to make that happen and you know uh, things all happen for a reason and uh, sure this that's what happened and it gave me the opportunity to to, uh, um, leave on you know still good terms in fact they've actually become an even bigger sponsor um, or partner of us since I've left so you know um, it, it so, so you kind of you kind of let um your typical dude man you kind of let farmers make that decision for you. <laughs> they, they did, you know, because yeah. it, 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 that's that's a scary 
a scary thing. I mean, less scary for me, but a lot more scary for, you know, a wife when you leave a, you know, uh, one of the top insurance companies in in the, in the country, um, a job there, very secure and everything to go to a nonprofit. (laughs) Right. You know, um, those kind of things, uh, um, are, are hard. And so, um, it, it worked out, but, you know, uh, uh, well, you know, we'll see if it worked out, you know, er, you're, you're as a small nonprofit, you, you know, you're, yeah, you're one, one bad thing away from, you know, not being around any longer. So that's right. Yeah. There's uh we try not to think about that. <laughs> we try to think of, a, try to think of other things. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Don't think of, yeah. 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 So if, could you think of a moment, and I know you probably you have several uh, moments that are kind of cataloged in your mind when you think of memories of legacy of what you guys do. And but can you think of a moment, maybe an interaction with somebody that you were serving that could be kind of like that highlight moment of of you guys serving with Operation Barbecue Relief, where you just kind of when you when you're by, when you're alone by yourself or you're thinking of, man, I remember that day. Oh, yeah. What what is that moment? All of it. We we. So we call it, what's your why? So um, mine was, you know, about that third day, second, third day in Joplin, Missouri, you know, when, when uh, I had a little old lady come up and thank me for a, a meal, hug me crying um, because she hadn't had anything good um, hot. Um, and she was going through something, you know, that none of us, at least I haven't been through and that, and losing her home, you know, her her car was total, but she was still driving it. I mean, it looked like, you know, everything had just come along and beat it to death. Um, every, you know, every panel on it was dented, you know, glass was cracked but I just remember her thanking me for something as simple as a pulled pork sandwich Mm. and realizing that, you know, what we're doing there is providing just a little bit of normalcy. We're providing, you know, barbecue is about family. Barbecue is about fun. It's about remembering good times and, uh, you know, realized at that point that we were, we were, we were giving her, you know, and helping her with that memory of good times so she could, you know, get away from the hurt just a little bit. Wow. Yeah, man, that's a good one. It's, it's interesting. And I, and I, I would think that, I would think that when you're, cause I can kind of relate to that too. in ours, when you see something that's actually someone in a very legitimate bad spot, like a spot that you've never been in yourself personally, just a very tough scenario that it gives you some kind of some kind of confidence in knowing that no matter what happens to us, to me, that we're going to be all right. That we know that it's just one foot in front of the other to take one more step, one more step towards the next day, the next minute. And being able to be around those situations, those disasters and absorb all of that, I would think it kind of gives you guys a confidence to know that you're doing the right thing. 
Yeah, no, it, 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 it is. And, and, uh, um, you know, that's why when we coined it, what's your why we did that. So we had people that would start telling that story of what, yep. it, and it's really hard to do. Trust me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there asking people to do it, but I didn't want to do it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to tell people about, you know, um, the, ver the first story of heroism that I remember, um, coming out of Joplin, you know, listening to somebody, uh, some radio guy telling me about, you know, um, the manager of the pizza hut, you know, risking his life and actually losing his life to save the people in his restaurant, mm. it, you know, to, you know, you, you think about that and it, it's, it's just amazing. And, and it's super, you know, uh, when it happened, I just remember turning off the radio going, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. Why am I listening to these, you know, all these stories to, you know, go there and then have a lady, you know, sit there and cry and hug me, you know, for something, you know, that I take for granted as a, something as simple as a pulled pork sandwich. Wow. To, to then fast forward almost six months to be asked to do a, um, an event, uh, for a bunch of survivors from Joplin and to end up meeting the wife of the manager of the pizza. Mm. That, the, you know, that again, I come back to everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. You know, we, we kind of recant these stories, um, when we, you know, we get engaged and do things like that. And I can hear the emotion in your voice there. It's, it's those kind of, we're all created with eternity in our hearts for this big adventure. And until we actually take action and step towards that thing, we're going to, we're just, we're, we're going to keep, like I said, we're going to keep setting that pinnacle to something new. But with the words that you're using that, it feels like in those moments when, when those communities are coming together in that moment of disaster, while everything is destroyed around it, it almost sounds like you're describing like almost pieces of heaven, so to speak, like this community and people just coming together and working together and striving for something better together. And it's as simple as a pulled pork sandwich. Yep. It, you know, that you said it very well there because um, it is uh, we I've never, I've never seen communities come together the way they have and even more so. And I think probably because we do a better job today of getting word and getting more media and things like that. But right. Um, Wilmington, North Carolina, we've never had more registered volunteers from a community show up over 16 days than we, we had there. Um, it, Florida probably comes close, but that was with two locations. Yeah. You know, over 30 days wow. in Florida. So that's unbelievable. How, and how many was at Wilmington? Oh, in Wilmington over 16 days, we probably registered over 500 local residents as volunteers that came wow. through at to help their community. I mean, people that said, Oh, you know what? Yeah. I lost part of my roof, but I got that tree off. It's tarp. Now I'm waiting for the roofer. I got to do something to help. Wow. That's unbelievable. And that is, 
That's unbelievable. And one of the things you're kind of talking about there, though, about the social media aspect of that's where we kind of struggle, right? That's where we as as operators of organizations that serve others, that is you that is typically outside of the mission scope. Um, we kind of struggle with what we kind of see as bringing attention to ourselves, so to speak. But the reality is, is and what we're learning with our organization as well is when you get that word out then it gives other people the opportunity to come on board that wouldn't have otherwise been aware. And so you guys are actually providing, providing folks the opportunity to fulfill what they're called to do within their capacity. And it's as simple as taking action. Absolutely. So and that's where I'd, that's where I'd encourage you guys, man, just, just keep it up, keep up the, uh, keep up the getting the word out and leveraging all those different types of ways to communicate. So that we can, so that we can continue to build some positivity Absolutely. on the social networks. Absolutely, for and and that's you know, like you said, it's a struggle, but it is absolutely what has to be. You know, what we have to do. I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, I look at it as, you know, um, we have we've had to figure out the basic basics, uh, the blocking and tackling of the nonprofit and mm-hmm. how it works for us because we're not typical we're not an atypical you know up until we've really started putting some rigor around these non-disaster yeah. programs we're only active when there's a disaster right yeah yeah and that's what's so um that's why that going back to this point of being able to engage volunteers throughout the years a genius idea yeah Again, I think it was, you know, I don't know that we looked at it as a genius idea or, you know, survivability. And that's usually where the great, usually the best ideas come when you, (laughs) when you're like, Hey, we got to figure something out or we're going to have to close the doors. 2018, big year for you guys. What are you guys big plans coming up for 2019? So, So we've got, I mean, um, you know, as, as we were putting together what we wanted to do as far as, you know, uh, direction and, and everything, you know, I've told you about the, the uh, Always Serving Project. Um, Jay's going to run across uh, over 50 days, 60 miles a day from, from L.A. And uh, we're calling that the Breaking Bread Tour. And we'll have tour stops, uh, uh, you know, starting in L.A., Phoenix, El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, um, Hammond, Louisiana, Panama City, Florida, and to Tampa. Um, and, you know, many of those communities we've been in, we haven't been in El Paso before for a disaster, and we haven't been in in uh, um, Phoenix. But those locations, we have fairly good, um, you know, support already. And so we're going to leverage each one of those stops to do some feeding, um, do a little fight on hunger, get the word out to the media and everything of what we're doing. Um, try to bring out people to run with Jay. This this is a, you know, these non-disaster programs, I think, are where we're going to help build our volunteer base even greater than what we have today. Right. So, the, the you know, the vision is, is our ability to, you know, to help, help communities, help, you know, um, with the fight on hunger specifically, but also bringing in the military and, and the first responder side 
um, and the, you know, organizations there that we can work with throughout the year. So we have something that's consistent. We have something that we can, you know, give for our volunteers to do on a consistent basis. Um, and then, you know, with that, uh, I've also, I, I guess we also coined this the year of, of the people, if you will. And, and what I mean by that is we're going to, our focus is going to, to do a better job of training people, of getting things out there. We have a lot of great tools that we're, we're continuing to improve. Um, we have our, we have a, an app that we use to, for our volunteers to stay, you know, up to date and engaged that we can, you know, when they have that downloaded, when we put in uh, an event, whether it's a disaster or non-disaster one, it, it'll push to them to say, Hey, there's something out there so they can see whether or not they can. Yep. Um, and then we also have it segmented to where we have an operational side of, uh, of the app where we can also, when we're on deployment, you know, we can get uh, stats as far as number of meals served, you know, how many, you know, what's my inventory. Um, so we're actually building something that hopefully in the future could be, um, you know, I'll call it sellable if you will, to other organizations yeah, right. that they would want to be able to use. So it could be monetized to help our sustainability. Um, right. So um, it's going to be a big year for us to, you know, we've got to bring uh, and get more people trained uh, for leadership opportunities within the organization to continue the, the kind of growth that we've been seeing over the last three years on the disaster side yep. at the same time, you know, bringing people in, to ensure the, that uh, this what we're doing on the non-disaster side continues to grow um, at the clip that it has been, but probably even a little faster now. You know, it took us seven and a half years to get to this point on the disaster side. I don't want to wait seven and a half years to to have grown the, the non-disaster side this way. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you've got all the experience now. So now you've got the kind of, you've got the experience of, the organization up to this point. So I would imagine that getting the planning down for the non-disaster side, you, you have, uh, you've cut your teeth. So now you guys kind of know what some things to look for and how to, to maximize that effort. I bet you get it done and you got two months. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it out. Well, you did. I mean, what was it? 1.1 million meals in 60 days. Surely you can come up with a non-disaster program and, in ninety, yeah, we we we've got we've got a uh, we we've, we've got a really good start to it. Um, I think with the breaking bread tour, as we start telling more people about you know the plans and and how we want to impact communities, um, you know, and and you know a, a great talk would be to to talk with Jared um, Collins sometime in the future if you want to hear about you know the ideas of how he came up with you know running across the country, you know. Being, sure. Being a, yeah. And, and uh, I can say this because he would say it, you know, being a one legged, you know, guy who's going to run bike and hand cycle, um, you know, it, it's about the message. It's not about him. It's about the message that he's going to bring with it of how important it is to impact these communities and, and having uh, our ability to continue to grow um, outside of disaster um, when, when there isn't a disaster, um, he, he's got it, you know, 
Um, and, and his passion is, is how do you, how, how can we have such a bad, you know, and you're seeing it, you know, in, in, in another country, but in our own country, how can we have so many people that can't even, you know, get a school lunch? It's mind blowing. You know, you got kids out there, but, but we've sent people to the moon and brought them back. You know, the, the phone that's in our wallet today is probably more sophisticated than the computer was that sent those people to the moon. We can't oh, figure out how to keep a, a, a kid. Now, we're not going to get into the parents. We're not going to get in. Sure. No, no. We're talking about we're kids. We're talking about kids yeah. here. And that kid yeah. who doesn't have access, you know, and doesn't know why he can't have a hot meal at school or get a meal at all at school when everybody else is, um, they don't understand that. They don't understand why when they go home, they may not get a dinner that night. Yeah. And, and we've got to figure out because there, you know, there's two ways to look at it. The government's going to take care of it. And that ain't happening. So the other way to look at it is that the people are going to do it. And we right. being the people have to make that. And, and that's what we're hoping as part of the social movement of, of the non-disaster side, the breaking bread tour. And, you know, obviously what we're calling the always serving project. Yeah. You know, breaking bread tour is about just meeting new people and, and breaking bread with them each week when we're in these different communities to tell them the story of why we're doing this and what we do, you know, on disaster and outside of disasters. I was looking at the mission statement, provide compassion and offer hope and friendship. You guys are knocking that out of the park across the street and into the parking lot on the other side of the other side of the lot, man. You guys are doing phenomenal work. It's really, it's truly unbelievable how something that can appear so simple can be so huge for the people that you guys serve. So, you know, that I'm glad you saw that. I don't, I don't bring it up very much until, unless somebody asks about it, but um, I, I, I think it's important that you look and that, that you see that there is nowhere in that mission statement. Does it talk about barbecue? No other than the name um, of the organization. And, and that it, to me, that's the important side of it. Barbecue is just the end result of what we're trying to do. Right. Yes. And, and, and you know, provide that, provide a little love and, and support, you know, during that time and, and use barbecue as the vehicle to, you know, to get it done. Um, that was, you know, believe it or not, it was consciously done that way that we didn't mention that, that we yeah. wanted uh, those principles um, to be what was up front. Yeah. That, that, Cause that translates that mission statement translates to regardless of the service that you guys provide, you guys just have to be competitive barbecue guys. So that's you guys, the way you guys accomplish that mission is through the skill set that you have, but the mission should be something all of us should be walking around with regardless of what our talent skill set is. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. All right. So your, your legacy, the legacy of maybe of Operation Barbecue Relief, when, what would you, what is your, what is your dream of when your day comes and you guys are either called to glory or, or whatever it is, what is it you hope this organization accomplishes? Uh, you know, my hope for the organization and, and my, 
you know, what I'm striving for is that sustainability piece that no matter whether I'm here or gone, that it's impacting communities and continues on for many, many years past me, past my children to where, you know, they look back and they, they say, you know, how did, how did they do it without an organization like this? Mm. How did we impact communities during disaster and outside of disasters without an organization like Operation Barbecue Relief? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. It's good stuff, man. It's um so impressive. That's why we love these conversations, getting to talk to guys, getting to talk to folks leading different organizations, such a common theme, huge hearts of compassion, huge hearts of service. Uh, gosh, this, this country owes you guys a huge debt of gratitude for the, for the service that you've provided so many people that have been hurting. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. Cause I, you know, one of the things is, is I don't think, uh, we, we do a good enough job of telling a lot of these stories. And so having the opportunity to come on and have you ask these things, sometimes I forget. Yeah. You know? And, uh, it just is a great way to help me, you know, be able to get that out and be able to share that message with, um, those that support us. And, and in fact, a lot of our volunteers that have probably never heard me, you know, talk about many of these, um, things. So, all of this stuff has been, I mean, phenomenal words, great pieces of advice, great wisdom, great stories. But for for the person who is standing, let's say, on the proverbial dock, and they're they feel like they're called to something else, but they're just they don't they're not ready to take that step. They just they don't feel like they're qualified to take that step. They're nervous about what that could lead to. They know that they're created for something else but they're hesitant to do it. What piece of advice would you give that person? So I would, I would tell the person if you're sitting on the fence and you're, you're looking at both sides of it, you got to look in, you know, you got to look inward into your heart and make sure that you're doing what's going to fill your heart and fill your passion. And if you're not, if you're not passionate about one of those sides, if you you not you don't see yourself and uh, filling your heart with one of those sides, that that gives you the answer of where you need to go. Hmm. Um, now, if both sides fill your heart and your passion, that's that's a great situation to be in. That's unbelievable. It it means that you have something in your life that so many people don't. Yeah. So that'd be my, the, you know, uh, I don't know if I'd call it words of advice, but, uh, or, or good advice at least, but uh, I would say that that's, that's what you need to do is because if you don't have a passion for something and at the end of the day, you can't say it fills your heart. Um, you have an opportunity to look for that. Yeah, man. That's awesome. No, that's great. Those are great. That's great words. It's, it's like it, back to as simple as a pulled pork sandwich. It's as simple as what fills your heart, what's your passion. It's that simple. All right, Stan, so wrapping up today, tell us where we can find you guys online. What, what other projects you guys may be working on, anything that we missed? Tell us about it. All right, so you, you can find us at obr.org, um, obr.org. Um, is our website um, on there. Um, you'll find links to, you know, our social media, whatever. You can find us at, 
our, our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram handle is op BBQ relief, OP BBQ relief. Um, you can find us there. Um, we also are coming out with a cookbook. Um, we have about 70, uh, sure. 70 competition barbecue um, teams out there um, that support us, that gave us uh, over 200 recipes um, that has been put into a book called Operation Barbecue. 200 plus smoking recipes from competition grand champions. So, surely, surely they didn't expose. They didn't give everything away so, in those recipes. So, you know that that was our biggest fight was getting people to give give their recipes until they realized <laughs> that we weren't asking for their competition recipe. We were asking for uh, what it. do you like to cook for your family in the backyard? Yeah, they were like, "What you up to, exactly. Stan? What are you doing? Well, what me, you I got, up to, I got, man? I got plenty of calls." Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I've got friends that compete. And if I go in their 10 at a certain time, they kick oh, me out. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's really, it, what we wanted to do is we wanted to find championship pitmasters. So they had to have won a, a grand championship in, in, in competing. Um, but to say, now tell people what you like to cook. So we've got some great wing recipes. We got tenderloin recipes, burger recipes, steak recipes um side dishes desserts i mean you name it we've got some in this book and uh, appetizers for uh, you know and and so it's really meant for the backyard person to get a good understanding of what hey these guys are championship pit masters and they like to cook burgers wow look at this burger look at this burger or holy cow look at this bacon wrapped you know whatever um, yeah. And so it, 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 it isn't about, you know, a championship recipe. It's about the champion that was cooking, you know, in yeah. their backyard. So it, it's pretty cool. You can go to basically anywhere that sells books and, and type in operation barbecue and, and find it or go to our website at OBR.org. And there's a link on the homepage to a page that's dedicated to, to the book. Um, so other than that, it, you know, there's going to be opportunities all year long. Check in, watch for events. Uh, again, we'll have seven events outside of Los Angeles along the way to Tampa Bay um, about breaking bread and talking about the organization and our growth and how people can help. So if you're in one of those communities that I had mentioned along, along the uh, southern route from Los Angeles to uh, um, Phoenix to El Paso to San Antonio, Houston, Hammond, Louisiana, Panama City, Florida, or Tampa. Um, we'd love for you to come out and you can find the information on, on our social media um, as well. There is an event for each one of those locations. Okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that entire run. And, and I did some lunges today and I tried to walk down some stairs. And I'm trying to think about, what did you say? Is it 60 miles a day for 50 days? Yeah. He'll, That's, he'll that bike and hand crazy. cycle. He'll bike and hand cycle about, you know, about uh, 50 of those miles and about run about 10 of them. Oh, is that all? <laughs> and, and, oh. and I'll be in the car most of the time. Cheering them on. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. <clears throat> All right, Stan, all that stuff sounds great, man. Just thank you so much for coming on Love Period Podcast today and telling your story and the story of Operation Barbecue Relief, man. Just unbelievable. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I appreciate the opportunity and had a great time today doing so. 
All right, Stan, good luck in 2019, man. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Another great story. Another great story about an organization that's doing phenomenal things. Operation Barbecue Relief is really, really doing some amazing things. And I encourage you guys, go check out our blog on orphanaidliberia.org for this podcast so you can find out more about Operation Barbecue Relief to see what they're up to. Stan kind of talked about it there, wrapping up what's going on in 2019. Absolutely phenomenal. A great organization who's doing great things. It's really simple, you guys. It's really simple to know all you got to do is take a step. Don't overplan it. Don't overthink it. That first step is just a step. And I hope this story that you listened to today just inspires you just one little bit to kick off that dock. Go out into the unknown. You have been built for this moment. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be bruises. There's going to be scratches. There's going to be falls. But you were built for this. Your entire history prepared you for this for today. So take a step today to take some action. Thank you guys for downloading this episode of the Love Period Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to us yet in iTunes, you can go ahead and do that. We're also available to you Android users on Stitcher as well. Please follow along with us at OrphanAidLiberia.org and see what we're up to. The organization's up to some amazing things. Honored to be a part of it, and we would be honored to have you on board with us. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast and making it this far into the podcast. We'll see you next time.